0: To me, the biggest moment was when I had to write that first purchase order, and I had to write that first purchase order before we had any kind of financing in place. So, you know, basically, I was buying a bunch of bags, and you know, I had a real crisis of confidence at that point in time like, you know, do I really want to do this? But luckily, Keith was on board at that point in time, and he kind of balances my um, things. And he's very optimistic. And he was really excited about this. And and that meant a a ton to me. So, you know, it it really helped soothe my nerves to to write that purchase order and, and, and send that deposit through. Podcasting from Boulder, Colorado.
1: This is the Baby Got Backstory Podcast, where we dive into the story behind the story of today's most inspiring storytellers, creators, and entrepreneurs. I like big backstories, and I cannot lie. I am your host, Mark Gutman. I'm Mark Gutman, and on today's episode of Baby Got Backstory, how two career executives in the bag and luggage industry broke ranks and built the bag that no one else. Would Now, if you like and enjoy the show, please take a minute or two to rate and review us over at iTunes. iTunes uses these as part of the algorithm that determines ratings on the Apple charts and ratings help us to build an audience, which then helps us to continue to produce the show. On today's episode, we are talking to Chad Mellon and Keith Bristol of Knack Bags. NAC is a new and exciting company that is getting a lot of attention for their unique perspective one bag for both work and play. Chad is the CEO and founder of NAC and has spent his career in the branded luxury and premium accessory and retail industries. As a senior executive, he has been directly responsible for the development and growth of several iconic American and international consumer brands at private, public, and private equity owned companies in the writing instrument, that means pens, pencils, that type of thing, luggage, leather goods, handbag, and accessory categories. Before NAC, he held CEO, president, CMO, VP sales, and director roles across companies such as AT Cross, Toomey, and Coach. Keith Bristol is the chief digital officer at NAC. Prior to NAC, he's been a creative director at an advertising agency and was instrumental in building the direct-to-consumer businesses for eBags.com and Toomey.com in the U.S. and globally. He has helped launch Bootstrap startups, Scale or Progress to Acquisition, and he's a husband and father of two daughters, and I love this, the household athletic director. Chad and Keith both met while working at the well-known luxury luggage company, Toomey, and knew that someday they would work together again. They just had to find the right fit, and this is their story.
0: So, so what? What's Knack all about? Knack uh, is all about trying to rethink how people carry their life with them. That that's really it. And we've said from the very beginning, you know, Keith and I, we just fundamentally don't get the current bag industry, and I've been part of the bag industry for a long time. I spent a lot of time at Coach, a lot of time at Toomey. And the idea that you have to put the things that you carry kind of in specialized bags to get from point A to point B or not optimize how you carry them, it just doesn't make sense to us. What do I mean by that? If you're going to go to the gym from work, what do you carry? You carry your work bag, you carry your gym bag. If you're going to take a quick overnight trip, Uh, For business, what do you carry? You carry a carry-on, you know, a wheeled or a duffel, and you carry your work bag. You know, if you've got uh, a kid you're taking out, uh, you probably have a a tote and a diaper bag. It just doesn't make sense. It's how the business is, you know, the industry has been built. They kind of grow businesses by further refining single-function bags that match, you know, increasingly smaller use cases. And our whole idea was why can't one bag do almost everything and do it equally well? And that's what NAC's about. You know, it's a business bag. It's an everyday carry bag that also really works well as a a travel bag, a gym bag, uh, a bag to carry photography equipment in, a lot of different uses. And the whole idea is you now have one bag to live your life.
1: Well, and thank you for that. And that's a great uh, overview of of what NAC is and, and what you stand for. And right now, currently you are based in Oregon. And for the both of you, are you
0: both originally from Oregon? Well, actually, we're, we're bi-coastal. And uh, Keith's in Oregon, in Portland. And I'm, in, uh, I'm actually looking out right now on the, the beautiful shores of Narragansett Bay in Rhode Island.
1: Very bicoastal. You're about as co- bicoastal as it gets. We're about as bicoastal as it gets. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so, Chad, where did you grow up? Uh, I was born in New Jersey. And uh, my dad was a marketing executive at Sherwin-Williams, which is the paint company, and they were in New York City. My mom and dad were both born and bred, died in the wool New Yorkers. And you know, when I was five, uh, the company uh, said to my dad, you're moving to Cleveland, Ohio. That's where their headquarters were. He thought he was being sent to you know, purgatory or hell. You know, it just This was the worst thing in the world to go from the tri-state area to Cleveland, Ohio. So I went when I was five. Grew up in Cleveland and, like my parents, loved it. I mean, absolutely loved it. I consider myself an Ohioan, a Clevelander, I'm a Dyed in the Wool Indians fan and Browns fan, and, and, you know, have brought that curse to my kids. Uh, the only thing worse
1: is being a Lions fan because I was raised in Detroit. So I've also brought that curse home to my family so I can relate.
0: Yeah, it's the same thing. At least the Tigers have won something recently.
1: <laughs>
2: that's right. That's right. And Keith, how about you? Where, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Nebraska, actually in the heartland I grew up on a farm so I you know it's it's funny I was the first kind of generation to leave the farm and and like go graduate from college and live in the city I always wanted to live in the city I don't know why really I just did it always just drew drew me always really liked just the people and and new and different things and farming just wasn't for me so I kind of left that world behind and yeah uh, from there, I moved to, went to school in Nebraska, actually, and then moved to Colorado. And then recently, in the last six years, moved to Portland, Oregon. So I migrated west, but I'm definitely a Midwesterner at heart, diehard Husker fan. And so Chad and I have a lot of fun with uh, Nebraska, Ohio State, although he has way more fun than I do <laughs> at, in the current moment. <laughs> recently. <laughs> recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah It'll hopefully. come around. It'll come around. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I grew up and, and sort of my path.
1: Yeah, and so two Midwest guys. Like, were you both into bags and fashion when you were uh, young men uh, you know, living in the it's Midwest? It's funny. I,
0: I guess you could say, Mark. I was pretty oblivious about everything, like right through college. And no, I wasn't at all. Uh, I love brands, and that's something that I've carried with me. The idea of a brand has always fascinated me. The idea that, you know, kind of a logo and a symbol and an aura, you know, which we call equities now, can actually transmit so much information, not only about product, but about the person who uses the product, absolutely fascinated me. So that's probably the only thing that I can say that really kind of drove me to where I am now. Yeah, I would actually it's kind of funny because i didn't
2: realize that chad but i was the same way i was a little bit more like that with advertising so i was really obsessed with advertising i just loved any kind of advertising as a kid pro- any product advertising anything like that and so and branding i thought was just really a cool thing so that's why i started my career actually out as a in an ad agency as a creative art director and a creative director and how I got into bags actually was a complete fluke. Um, I was in Denver, and um, I moved to Denver for a startup, and that was back in the dot bomb days when everything kind of was really, really high, and then it crashed really, really hard, and ended up being at that company for like six months or eight months. It went under, and I was looking for a place to land, and I found e bags, and I really, really liked e bags because they had a, you know, kind of a more mature leadership group and i it's funny cuz when i started i was like oh bags like that's not really that interesting i'll be in bags for like i don't know 6 months or something and lo and behold i was there for over 9 years and i got to work with some amazing people and kind of s- found my love for bags then and then kind of reconnected with chad so that's kind of the, the my bag connection but now i'm obsessed with bags <laughs> obviously <laughs> T- totally.
1: And it's so interesting um, thinking about that time and, and going back in time and, and thinking about e-bags because – I think for listeners on our show, like they, they don't like it's even in the name e-bags, like the revolutionary part about that whole business was that you purchased online, you know, and then they started to extend the brand a little bit into uh, their, their own product line. But but thinking about just, you know, how revolutionary was that when you when you got there and you're like, we're actually like selling yeah, bags was, on the Internet.
2: Was, Tremendously revolutionary. I mean, you know, the 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 guys that founded it left Samsonite because they wanted Samsonite to do that. They wanted to sell online and Sam's like, oh, no one will ever buy online. And frankly, I think we were one of only three startups, pure play startups to make it through the dot the dot bomb era back then. So it was pretty it was a pretty amazing accomplishment and all the things that we had to go through for that. So so yeah, that was that was kind of a, you know. That was really amazing for me to be part of that. And even like you said, the name back then, you had to be called e something because people didn't really know what e commerce was, you know? And gosh, how, especially in the last, you know, couple months, how much it's changed drastically for so many companies. Um, That's always been what I've done online commerce, um, even after I left e bags. But and and how Chad and I met was when he was at Toomey. Um, We actually ran the to website and and back then to did only had line drawings for their, for their product. Do you remember that Chad? And and we had to reshoot, we reshot everything for them to put it online, to sell online. And that was like a big, big deal. It's just, it's funny to kind of look back now and just think how like second nature that is now. But back then it was, it was pretty groundbreaking. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And did you know what you were doing or were you kind of breaking, breaking eggs as you went? Was it new ground? I mean, like, like I don't think there was a lot of people that had a ton of expertise in, in e-commerce in that way, into that scale.
2: Uh, yeah, was, that's was a good question. I mean, you, that there time. wasn't really a lot of experience because we, that we were really on the forefront of it. You know, it, there weren't a lot of people selling pure plays, selling, online. I mean, there were definitely companies out there that had an online presence and a lot of them were just had branding sites. So they weren't even e-commerce back then. So a lot of it was, you know, for us just figuring it out. And, you know, sometimes it was going with your gut, but, but we were really big into testing things. And that's always kind of stuck with me. We test and see how people, you know, react and down to like What's, what is the color of the button that they're supposed to click and what's the word on the button. Um, and so we were really big believers in that. And that's something I've taken with me everywhere I go. And we, you know, we do that here as well. Um, so, yeah, that's...
0: You know, Mark, one of the stories Keith told me later on in our career is that after we flew out to Denver, you know, we being the Tumi team flew out to Denver to say, hey, let's, let's do this partnership where eBags and Toomey work together to launch Tumi.com you know, the eBags guys are just knocking it out of the park during the presentation. They're saying great things and we're all, you know, this is great. is fantastic. Can't wait to work with them. We left the building and said, okay, guys, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll tie the deal together and, and let's go ahead. And then, uh, what did you uh,
2: say, Keith, after we left? Yeah. So after, after the, the Tumi executives left the building, we all just kind of looked at each other like, okay, now how are we going to do this? And who's going to do it? Like, well, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, what we were doing, obviously, like we knew how to run an e-commerce site, but we weren't really expecting Me to say, yes, let's move forward with this because we had the backstory to that is we had tried to get Toomey to sell on eBags for, gosh, probably since the beginning of time uh, that, that e-bags launched. So Tumi was sort of that brand that we really, really wanted and we aspired to get. So when they you know, talked to us about running their site, everyone's kind of like, yeah, we'll do it. We can totally do it. When they left, it was like, how are we going to do it? <laughs> Who's going to do it? Um, so it's kind of funny now, this, the two sides to tell those stories. And, and it worked out great. I mean, it worked out great. Yeah. Toomey was uh, thrilled with it. We were thrilled with it. And, you know, I obviously met wonderful people there. And to this day, some of the dearest friends um, that I have are from Toomey and Ebags uh, times. And, and it's fun to kind of come back together with Chad to start you know knack based on all of our history that way so it's pretty cool yeah and so let's rewind a
1: little bit and talk about that so what were both of your first forays into the bag world so chad like how how did you get into to this industry and 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 how did you
0: get started uh so i left college uh and went to work for a strategy consultant in new york and uh and again as i said i was a little oblivious going through school i was kind of following the herd mentality and at our school, you either did one of two things. You went to work for an investment bank. You went to work for a consultant. And, uh, you know, I picked the consulting room, kind of, I don't even know really why. And I ended up with a firm uh, called Kurt Salman Associates that was a uh, strategy firm that focused on uh, kind of apparel, textiles, and retail. And what I found after about uh, two or three months there was I loved that industry, just loved it. And of course, I knew that they did this going into it, but I really didn't understand it. And uh, you know, I'm going to give give a little bit of uh, my experience away here. Um, we were we were dealing with people back then. Our our clients were just amazing. Like uh, at Paul Ralph Lauren, I was working directly with Peter Strong, who ran that company for a long time. At Saks Fifth Avenue was one of our clients, and I was working with Bert Tansky there. You know, these are like real. Icons in, in luxury uh, branded business. And, and the most important thing was uh, I had a client at Coach, uh, as division of Sarah Lee back then. And I got to know Lou Frankfurt uh, as a client pretty well. And uh, he said, You know, why don't you come and work for me? And I did. I went and became head of business development and then later head of men's products and, and product marketing. And and worked with Lou, who just taught me so much. And you know, kind of one of the first aha's in my career with Lou was how important a mentor is. And uh and the product was great. You know, I loved the coach product. Uh, and this was way back, uh, you know, again, I'm dating myself, but this was, you know, way back in the 90s, and Coach was about a hundred million dollar brand at that point in time. And it just launched stores, you know, about five years beforehand. It was really it was a small business, a relatively small business, and was starting to grow like a weed. And the product was just fantastic. And the, the kind of the smell of the leather and you know, going into the sample rooms and seeing the hides there uh, and, and how these guys picked out the right hide and how they cut it and designed around it. It was just fascinating to me. And so the product really grabbed me. But then also the brand grabbed me and And one of the things that that Lou said to me and said to a lot of people back then that still stays with me to this day, and we use it at at, at Knack, is that in a brand like coach, which uh, you know is a consumer brand um, but also has a fashion element to it, you've got to balance logic and magic, and I thought that was just so really on on spot on logic and magic, you know. It's not all logic. This is not a spreadsheet business. There is some sort of uh, you know, element to it that's spiritual almost. You know, uh, Why do people like that color? Why do people like that shape? Why do people like that texture? That's, that's kind of a magic portion of it. And that's not something that I have much skill set in. But the logic portion of it also has to work with the magic portion to create this brand and this aura and this product. And, and, you know, balancing logic and magic is something that I've absolutely carried with the rest of my career.
1: Yeah, and and, and I totally love that. I mean, I I speak a lot in, in, on the stage and I talk about that a lot when it comes to branding and building a brand, that it really is this combination of the logical and the magical. And I'm sure, you know, obviously I didn't invent that. It was it was passed down to me by by other brand builders as well. And, and I firmly believe it. And that's one of the things that I love about it. And it's also a little frustrating about it sometimes, you know, that's the challenge. I mean, the, it, it's it's easier when we're talking about the logical side and, and yeah. putting things into frameworks. It's a little harder on the magical side. And I think, at least from my experience, you have to be willing to take risks and to have some failures because in order to lean into that magical side, uh, it's not always home runs. Well,
0: and also I think the real critical thing is uh, as a manager of a business or an owner of a business that, that really is trying to to work on both sides of the equation, You've got to learn how to um, kind of straddle and, and manage and talk to and relate to people that are on the logical side, as well as people that are on the magical side. You know, I found that in my experience, people that are creatively oriented just don't respond to the same kind of stimulus and direction and encouragement as people on the logical side of the business. And and I think that's really challenging for a lot of people, and it's something that's been challenging for me. But uh, you know, I, I'd like to think I've kind of figured it out, uh, and and I'm very comfortable working with people on both sides of that equation.
1: And that's well said. And I and I think that you know, again, from my my perspective, that you know, branding today isn't you know about logos and colors and and um, and and, uh, and icons, but it really is more about bridging those two sides and being the bridge as a leader in the organization to maintain that that feeling, that purpose, that culture, all those things that yeah. go into to being a brand. So I love that. So why don't you guys take me back to e-bags? You guys are working there. If one of you could first just paint the picture, kind of like, you know, Keith was doing a little bit of that, talking about what's going on there. But I really want to paint the picture because when I look at you know the company today, and this is not a, you know, I'm not here to, to bash on e-bags, but you know, back then it was like something super re- revolutionary and so- something super cool. And today it's kind of like, I'm not sure where they are in the, in the whole mix of things. But what was it like for you guys working at eBags and, and, and what were you both doing there?
0: Well, I think Keith needs to answer that. First, I was at Toomey. I was, uh, you know, I was head of marketing. I was the chief marketing officer and head of product at Toomey. So um, I would travel out to Denver and work with these guys. I don't know, Keith, probably once every month or two for a couple of days, yeah, which right. was always a blast. Um, but Keith was the one that was really living the day-to-day life at eBags.
2: Yeah. Got, so it, got I, it. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't speak to what's happened recently because I haven't been there. It's been a while since I've been there, to be honest. So, but but when I was there, I mean, it was it was crazy. It was really, you know, we were... The nice thing about eBags and what drew me to it, honestly, and I said this earlier, was the leadership. You know, I when I first got into working in startups, I was... The first one that I worked with was, a. we were all in our 20s and there was just really no leadership and it was kind of a chaotic, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and so what I was looking for was really somebody that understood business and was running the business. So that's kind of what drew me to eBags, not necessarily the bags part. I'm a, a huge fan of um, John and Peter and those guys that started the company. Because they were, like I said, they were they came from Samsonite. They were a little bit more had more experience, so they weren't your typical twenty some, you know, CEOs of a of a startup. There's nothing wrong with that; the, those folks are great too. But at the time, that's what I was looking for. And you know, we were coming right when I got there was sort of right when the .dot com kind of started, right .dot bomb um, started happening. So it was ver- very challenging from the beginning. And of course, back then people weren't buying as much online. And so, you know, we kind of had to earn that trust. And and the biggest thing I think that I took from my experience at eBags was just, again, you you mentioned it, Mark, is taking risks. I mean, we had to take risks to, especially doing something as pioneering as we were doing back then. And it's kind of funny to say that now because it's not that pioneering anymore, but back then it was. And so taking risks and also measuring and testing was so important. And, and the one thing I kind of took away is, you know, from John Nordmark, I mean, I think he's probably one of, definitely one of my mentors. And he was such a visionary. I mean, he just really, um, that's why he left Samsonite, because he really felt like there was a, a place for this and Samsonite didn't want to do it. So he wanted to be able to do it on his own. And the guy just really had a vision. I always, I tell this story to a lot of people. He, he came in one day and he's always, he always would come in with like, Hey, you guys got to check this out or check that out. And one day he's like, okay, you guys all have to, he told the whole company, like you guys have to sign up for Facebook. This thing, Facebook is going to change the world. It's going to change you know how people are, you know, perceive the internet. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. You know, it's it, And again, this is when Facebook first came out. So we signed up for it and kind of just left it and nothing really happened. And, um, you know, like what was it, probably six or eight months later, like all of a sudden you get Bing friend requests, friend requests, friend request, And it was like, all of a sudden this thing just like took off and it was crazy, but he had that vision of like, realizing that, y- y- you know, at the time there were a lot of people that were, that were doubting what that would do, but he always sort of had that vision of like, this will be a game changer. And so I've always kind of looked at things, new opportunities, um, you know, and I brought that to everything that I've done since is to look at new opportunities as, as just that, like, it's something we should try if it makes sense. I mean, obviously you can't try everything and you can't do everything you want to do, but you have to, to try to look for that future thing of, of what's going to, you know, happen next. And so, you know, it was also built with really, really smart people. I mean, they did a great job of of hiring and bringing on really talented people that you can, you know, give them a, a direction and they run with it and, and they're motivated. And I think that's what really, you know, they had great leadership and they had great people that worked there and that were driven. Um, so those two things. And I think the product was really, really good. I mean, everyone needs bags, as we all know. But so it's a little bit of that, like, you've got to have all that working together and as far as like where they are I, know, I again i can't really say i know when i was there there you know we went through quite a bit of stuff uh, obviously with you know we went, made it through the, the dot bomb as i mentioned we made it through 911 a lot of challenges with all that stuff but through it all i think we just persevered I mean I know that's kind of cheesy but like you you just really have to face all the challenges that come with a startup and with building a business because uh, there's gonna be things that like that you can't control and what we're dealing with right now you can't control but if you have really good people that are that are passionate and and want to you know, build something the right way, you're going to find a way to do it. So as it got bigger, obviously it changed because you get, you get more people in there. And and when I, I think when I left, there were, we had changed offices and I don't even remember. It was like 150 people. I think when I started, it was like 80, I was there kind of the first year in. So it definitely changed a lot, you know, a little bit more layers and different things like that, which slowed things down a little bit. And that's the thing I love about what we're doing. We're small and nimble right now. And, you know, if somebody has an idea, they just run with it and we jump on a call and, and talk about it and, and it, and we do it and we test it and make sure that it, that it works. So. yeah, Thank
1: you for that. My but, apologies. I, I I have right here that you both met it to me and, and, and somehow I had the the signals crossed about, about, no, you, no yeah, so, no
2: problem. And yeah. yeah, that's how we met is, like I said, we tried to get to me and, and, to me really was interested in and in doing their own e-commerce site but they didn't have the technology background so we brought our technology background to run the to site and then for the last probably four or five years that i was at ebags i ran the the division that ran to me.com. and yeah, so is that is that, chad how you and I met met? that way and yeah. yeah that's exactly how chad and i met so yeah. we we met and um you know, I, I say this all the time. Like, you you meet people throughout your career that you're like, I'd really like to work with that guy again, or, or or girl, or whatever. But Chad was always one of those folks that I really, really had a lot of respect for, and and I always said, you know, I'd love to work with him again someday. And in fact, we tried to to do it a couple times, um, uh, but he couldn't convince me to mo- move to the East Coast. And and this <laughs> sort of this sort of worked. And it, it's interesting because he when he came to me with the idea of NAC. I have kind of two criteria that I look for when I'm looking for my next opportunity. And and one is the product, like does it resonate with me? And and when he told me about it, I was immediately hooked because I travel a lot. I travel for one to two days and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how many times I've stuffed a backpack full of crap and couldn't make it work. Or I pack a carry-on quarter of the way full because I had to. And I was like, oh, my God, I would love to be able to travel with one bag and just expand it when I can. So I loved that concept. And then I really, of course, like working with Chad and admired him a lot. And I think we actually balance each other a lot. Um, you know, a lot of the things that he brings to the table and his strengths are not mine and, and vice versa. And so it was just a great fit. And he actually wanted me to move to the East Coast again. And I was like, oh, I just moved to Portland and it's it's not not in the cards for me, but if you're ever open for doing this and building a remote team, I would be interested because I've, I've managed teams remotely for, I don't know, 10 years of my life and and worked with offshore development teams and so on and so forth. So it's, that was nothing new to me. It's a little bit more new to Chad. And so he's like, Oh, I don't think that that's kind of what we're looking for right now, but you know, we'll stay in touch. And so I kind of advised and just sort of helped while he was kind of, working through some things. And then he, he calls me one day. He's like, you're never going to believe where the de- designer of the bag is located. And I was like, where? And he goes, Portland, Oregon. <laughs> and there's a backstory there. But, um, but I was, he's like, you know, if you're up for doing this and you're still interested, let's try it and, and see how it works. And we agreed that we would be upfront with each other. And if things weren't working that we would figure something else out. But so far it's been really, really great. We've been able to hire people, from around the country, really, really smart people. And they all, again, it's, they're all dedicated and they are hardworking and they know what they're doing. And it's been great. And especially with this current situation, it hasn't impacted us from a working standpoint. Obviously it's impacted us in other ways like everyone else, but from a working standpoint, we've all worked remotely um, since we started the company. So it's been a, it's been a fun thing to be able to do that um, and build this team you know the way we built it is is pretty pretty unique and i think it's in, interestingly enough i think it's kind of the sign of the future i think there are going to be a lot more companies that that end up doing this because you can find really great people wherever you want to find them and and if you're organized about it you can grow a company like this so
1: this episode brought to you by wild story wait isn't that your company It is. And without the generous support of Wild Story, this show would not be possible. A brand isn't a logo or a tagline or even your product. A brand is a person's gut feeling about a product, service, or company. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. Wild Story helps progressive founders and savvy marketers build purpose-driven brands that connect their business goals with the customers they want to serve so that both the business and the customer needs are met. This results in crazy, happy, loyal customers that purchase again and again. And this is great for business. If that sounds like something you and your team might want to learn more about, reach out at www.wildstory.com and we'd be happy to tell you more. Now back to our show. Chad, so where were you in your career, in your life, when you said, "Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to start a new bag company,"
0: it's a great question. A um, little bit of backstory: uh, after Coach, I left, and as we talked about, went to work at Toomey uh, as chief marketing officer. Toomey is a tiny little company back then, um, and worked closely with the founder, uh, Charlie Clifford, and um, you know went through real tough times, real great times. You know, the the 9-11 time in a travel bag company was just devastating. I had to fire the entire marketing staff. You know, we all took salary cuts. It was devastating. Uh,
1: Sounds familiar to today, right?
0: Absolutely. It's like, wow, I never thought I'd have to do this twice in my career. Um, But the business popped back up. It's a great brand, great product, great team. And we sold the business to a private equity firm uh, and I left and went to Rhode Island to uh, become chief marketing officer and head of sales at 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 Cross, the writing instrument company. So it's the first time I had been since my consulting career out of the bag industry and, uh, you know, was CEO at Cross for a while, uh, sold that business in 2015 to a private equity firm. Uh, after I learned the hard way that it's not really a winning strategy to, you know, fight against a secular consumer trend, uh, writing instruments unfortunately are, are going one way, and it's uh, it was tough. But anyway, after I left in '15, took some time off, did some consulting, learned to play piano poorly, uh, you know, had some fun. But uh, ultimately, uh, two things happened. I started to work on a totally different startup with a friend of mine, uh, a guy named Bill Dockerty, who uh, had been the founder of uh, Interactive Search Holdings, which was a company that uh, had survived the dot bomb and, and you know had um, their big uh, brand was i1.com. So. Uh, and Bill and I were trying to do this this crazy thing with uh, donor advised funds and democratizing them and, and trying to bring them to companies as a benefit for employees to attract millennials. So it, it kind of got a little bit of the entrepreneurial bug in me at that point in time. So uh, we were working on that. Uh, ultimately, we decided not to proceed for a bunch of reasons. But at the end of that kind of time period, I took a fishing trip to uh, Costa Rica with with some friends, and it was a short weekend trip, but you know, still doing this, uh, my giving account with Bill. And I had a business backpack with me. I had a duffel with me that had some fishing gear in it and, you know, a couple pairs of shorts and some flip flops. And uh, as I flew from Boston down to San Jose airport, I'm walking around with two bags, both half filled in a place that speaks Spanish. I don't speak any Spanish. So I've got these two bags. I've got, you know, a cup of coffee in my hand. I've got my phone out with my Spanish translator app to try to figure out where to go. And I'm sweating. Bags are falling off my shoulder. I said, this is just a terrible, terrible experience. And I said, you know, I've been out of the bag business for a while. The first thing I do when I get back from this fishing trip So I'm going to go buy a bag that carries my business stuff and it's going to carry my, you know, my travel stuff, my clothes at the same time. I don't want to stick my underwear and my toothbrush next to my laptop, you know, so kind of the existing bags didn't work for me. So I got back uh, to the States and looked for this bag, this bag that did two things at once, and it didn't exist. It didn't exist anywhere. And, you know, because I've been in this category for a while, I knew all the brands. I knew the places to buy them. And I was shocked, Mark, that this didn't exist. It just was such an uh aha for me. And then I remember going to New York to visit with some people and and just sitting in a a coffee shop and and looking out the window. And the amount of folks that had two or three bags that they were carrying was shocking to me. I mean, like I said, gin bags, diaper bags, tote bags, purses, backpacks, business cases, wheel bags, duffels. I mean, all these things, people are carrying multiple bags. And I said, this makes no sense. And I knew, like me, these people didn't have another option. That's when the aha hit me. And I said, you know what? It's time to get back in the bad, bad category. So I reached out to Charlie Clifford. Uh, and uh, he and I had been doing some work together at that point in time and said, you know, what do you think of this idea? And he said, I think this is a pretty good idea. And uh, I kind of kicked it off at that point in time. So this was probably uh, the end of 2016.
1: Yeah, and like all really
0: good ideas, it seems really obvious and simple. Uh, So obvious, so obvious. But then you step back and realize why no company has ever done this because it is so different than the prevailing business model, which I said is you grow your business by figuring out the 10 needs that Mark has and creating 10 different bags for each one of those needs. And you know, you figure out more needs, you figure out more bags. And, uh, and that's so. The idea of of creating multiple function bags that do a lot of things really well is just foreign. It's anathema to to the you know the current uh, category. So that's why I think it never got done, frankly. But as I said, I looked at this and I said, this makes no sense. We've got to fix it.
1: Yeah, and I think the whole business philosophy of selling more by selling less is fairly new. Uh, yeah. You know, more you know, there's some companies adopting that, but I I, I totally can understand that. A big bag company looks and says, Hey, we've got X amount of consumers. How do we, and, and fans and people in our network? How do we sell them more? They're, another, they're loyal. Bag. another bag, another bag. And I've, I've fallen victim to that myself where you start to have a billion bags and I've got camera bags and I have, you know, messenger bags and I have backpacks and I have the travel bag and I have the travel bag for when I want to be a little more businessy. I have the travel yes. bag for when I want to be a little more adventury. Like, like it's crazy. And now I'm like drowning in bags that I don't use.
0: That's exactly it. So I looked at this and like, okay. first of all, this is really not a sustainable approach. You know, this is consumerism run rampant. Secondly, I think that given the um, blurring of people's professional life and their personal life and how those two lives intermingle all the time, it's just a fact that people carry a bunch of stuff with them every day. You know, it's not like 20 years ago where you had real cut and dried start to the workday, end to the workday, it gave you enough time to do stuff after the workday or before the workday on your own time. It just doesn't exist. So people are much more flexible and dynamic, mobile, you know, professionals are a big portion of the workforce going from point A to point B and not working at a, uh, a set office. You know, all these folks were being really ill-served by this, you know, unsustainable multi-bag approach.
1: Yeah, and so you have this idea, and you you float it by uh, other industry uh, other industry experts, and and you know they're like good idea. And then so what's the process like? Wh- like what don't we know about starting a bag company? I mean, do you just go and 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 make some sketches and 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 have and, and sew it yourself? And oh, this is great. I mean, like like walk us a little bit through like what that process looks like.
0: Well, I told you it's it's uh, getting back to the my logic and magic comment, you know, I've got a lot of the logic side of me. I don't have much of the magic side, so I'm not selling anything that anyone wants to buy. So, uh, but you know, one of the, the beauties of being an experienced, I'll say, uh, or an older entrepreneur, first time entrepreneur is that you actually have a network. And, um, you know, we're so lucky Keith and I, that we can call on some of the most successful people in this category's direct to consumer, um, Fields or this category supply chain fields or this category's factories or this category's branding and marketing and really pick their brains because they know us, they worked with us. So, you know, I was really lucky that I was able to call some of the best factories, both here in the United States as well as overseas, and, and try to start getting an idea of is this even constructible, this type of, of bag? I was able to find through kind of our friends and network great possible designers that I could then talk to and say, okay, here's the vision. Help me bring it to life. You know, help me make this into a three-dimensional thing. Uh, and, you know, these are guys that are really experienced. I was able to talk to marketers that, you know, normally wouldn't have touched a, a brand new startup and concept phase to really help refine our thinking. So, you know, what did I do? I went and talked to a lot of people and uh, then started spending a little bit money on, on designs uh, with a designer that we ended up meeting with who had worked at the North Face and uh, had a lot of experience. Um, we got introduced and I met a couple of my factories and, and brought the designs to them and say, is this manufacturable? And they said, yeah, we'll do some prototypes for you. They did some prototypes and some more prototypes and about a year and a half of prototypes <laughs> And, uh, you know, all at the same time, while this kind of magic was happening, the logic side of the business was, was being worked on. You know, we had the business plans put together, the financing set up, uh, understand how we're going to sell to the consumer, um, you know, uh, what the vehicles were, all that sort of stuff. And, and I think as I step back, Mark, if I had any clue at that point in time, all the questions that we had to answer, I don't think I ever would have started this. It's just, you know, in retrospect, it's overwhelming. But I think, you know, entrepreneurs tend to be optimistic and, and ignorant at the same time, which is a bit of a dangerous combination. And thank God we are. Thank God we were. Or else this wouldn't have gotten off the ground.
1: Yeah. What did that first bag, that first prototype look like? Do you remember it?
0: Uh, yeah, it's right here. I keep it. Uh, yeah. It actually, you know, it came out pretty well. Uh, it proved concept right away. And uh, so it 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 really, it, it looked kind of the way we wanted it to. It worked kind of the way we wanted it to. So we said, you know what, we know this can, we can do this. And the interesting thing is the price was kind of where we wanted it to. So then it just became a process of, you know, working with designers and developers in the factory to iterate it. And then the most important thing is once we had something that was kind of we were somewhat proud of, we then started showing it to consumers and getting feedback, uh, both in terms of how they use it, what features they wanted, what features they didn't. And since that point in time, our NAC community has really been part and parcel of our development, not only our product development, but our service development and our service offering.
1: Well, and that was a lot of kindas on that first bag.
0: Uh, Like, what wasn't working?
1: What was like
0: when you got it, were you like, ah it was, it was too heavy. The zippers didn't open really easily. It, you know, the pocketing wasn't right. Uh, so there was just not functional pocketing through the whole thing. So we had to really think about it, you know, but the size was right and it actually did work. Um, so anyway, it, there was a lot of things that we had to work on and you just start knocking them off.
1: Yeah. And it and it's, You know, now you're looking at it and you kind of chuckle, but I mean, was there a moment when your heart sort of dropped or you felt like, oh man, like
0: maybe this won't work? So to me, the biggest moment was when I had to write that first purchase order and I had to write that first purchase order before we had any kind of financing in place. So, you know, basically I was buying a bunch of bags. And, you know, I had a real uh, crisis of confidence at that point in time, like, you know, do I really want to do this? But luckily, Keith was on board at that point in time, was, you know, really, um, you know, one of the things that Keith is, is really optimistic. And he kind of balances my, my, I don't want to say pessimism, but, uh, you know, I question a lot of things. And he's very optimistic. And he was really excited about this. And and that meant a a ton to me. So, you know, it, it really helped Soothe my nerves to to write that purchase order and, and and send that deposit through. Yeah, I can imagine as a new brand. Look, I mean, a, a very easy
1: response to you would be like, "Does the world really need another bag?" Yeah. You know. And so there is uh, this this confidence, this belief in yourself against the world. And I can just imagine that when you're writing that first purchase order, you're like, "This is either going to be great, or I'm going to be giving." birthday and holiday gifts of our prototype bag for the next 10 years to everyone I know.
0: That's exactly, literally, that is an exact quote. I, <laughs> I remember saying to my family, I hope you like this bag because you're going to get it for a long time. That's right. And so
1: you bought some bags, but do you remember the first
0: bag that you sold? Uh, the first Knack? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we launched uh, the business uh, online, it was October twenty third, uh, nineteen or twenty eighteen, and uh, you know Keith had everything ready to go on the site, uh, and I just remember that that it goes live, and I'm literally watching that first order to come through, and the first order did come through. We actually had a pretty good day, uh, and I remember the guy, I know the guy that that bought it, and. Uh, like, this is a great, great feeling. And then, you know, more orders came through. It's like that cartoon where you see the, the speedometer click and then it clicks again and then it clicks a little faster. And, you know, it was just such a high to see something like that and say, you know what, there are people out there that actually get this and like this.
1: Yeah, what about the first person that maybe came back to you and, and wasn't happy?
0: Well, I'd like to say that I'm the harshest critic of the bag. Uh, You know, I look at this bag and and I see about 50 things I'd like to do differently or that don't work the way I'd like to. I have yet to have anyone come back and identify all 50 things. So, you know, usually it's confirmation when someone comes back and says, "Uh, not for me, didn't like it. It's confirmation that we just have to do better. You know, the next iteration, the next version of the bag has to be better.
1: Yeah. And so you're a brand that, you know, a big part of your messaging, a big part of your positioning was like, Hey, if you're traveling a lot and doing these one or two day trips, this is the perfect bag for you. Right. How how in this current climate, being the the marketers that you are, I mean, how are you handling that and starting to change your positioning in your in your branding?
0: Yeah, the real the real positioning about this is uh, it's the bag for a mobile professional and travel's only a portion of what they're doing. So, in actual fact, it's not the travel side of, of the business or the, the current environment uh, that's that's impacting us. It's the fact that people are still sitting in their homes. You know, they're not going to see clients. They're not going to the office. They're not going to work out at the coffee shop. They're not going to the gym. So, you know, that's really the issue. But fundamentally, we believe that's going to change. So right now, we stay the course. We we really want to reinforce, and we are reinforcing, that we are a bag for what is going to happen when all these uh, safer-at-home orders uh, are lifted. And that's really, I think, a fundamental trend away from dedicated offices, five-day-a-week commutes to those dedicated offices. You know, this this pandemic that we're going through and the crisis it's creating, I believe, and we all believe firmly, is going to create a much greater number of mobile travel, mobile professionals, working from home part the day, part of the time, working from clients part of the time, working in an office part of the time. That environment is right for a one bag uh, brand.
1: Yeah, and you know, so I recently uh, became a proud owner of a Knack bag, and I will say that there are some real differences in, in the knack bag and the way they, you both, uh, are, are approaching this, this challenge. What are your, some of your favorite, you know, features that you just love about, uh, the knack that, you know, you were like, aha, like I finally, you know, I mean, I think there's something so amazingly great about being into something that you care about and then being able to make it the way you want to make it because someone else isn't like what, what features perhaps, uh, were big breakthroughs
0: for you? Well, there's two things. One is actually product and the other is brand related. And the product thing is, I just love the fact that our bag weighs, looks, feels like an everyday professional backpack, the kind of backpack you put your laptop in and take to work. But then it's got this fully functional, hidden, expandable suitcase attached to it that basically you you open it up and expand it when you want to use it. And you close it and, you know, get rid of it when you don't want to use it. So essentially, it is an everyday bag that, that doubles really well as a travel bag. I love that about it. Uh, and that's the fundamental um, point of, of this product. But, you know, on the service side and the business brand side, one of the things that Keith and I said from the very beginning, Mark, that, that uh, it's been a guiding principle of our brand and our business, we don't do anything. If we wouldn't have done it for a friend, and what do I mean by that? If uh, we're thinking about sending out or doing a marketing program or doing a product, the first question we ask ourselves is, would we send this to a friend? Would we give this to a friend? Would a friend find this of value? And you know, I like to think that all of us at NAC put everything we do through that lens. And I'm really proud of that. You know, if you talk about uh, to, to our customers about our customer service, if you talk to our customers about our approach to quality and our approach to our team, we really try not to do anything that we wouldn't do, uh, you know, for a good friend. Uh, you know, maybe that's a derivation of the golden rule, but but it really has helped us. and uh, And I'm really proud of that.
1: Yeah. And, you know... We, we had a former guest on, on the podcast, Jed Rose, and he, he said something to me that really stood with me and I think is relevant. He said, you can really tell a lot about a person by the bag they carry and the shoes that they wear. <laughs> what, what, and, I, and I'm like, oh, man, I agree. What can we tell about a knack person, you know, someone carrying a knack bag?
0: I think, you know, Keith, I'm interested to hear what you say. But one, I'd like to think that uh, if you see someone carrying a knack bag, they're smart. You know, they're smart in a lot of ways. They're smart about sustainability. You know, they're not buying into consumerism. You know, I only need to have 50 bags. They're smart in that they've found a bag that serves multiple needs that they've got, one bag that serves multiple needs that they've got. You know, they're smart, they're smart because they're not wearing a walking billboard. Um, you know, it's not like we've got logos emblazoned all over the product. So I think it's a smart consumer. It's a person that kind of, you know, is a bit discerning and gets it.
2: Yeah. I was, I was actually going to say well-educated and entrepreneurial, you know, somebody who's, you know, out there doing cutting edge stuff um, and wants to be on the cutting edge of, of not only a bag, but whatever they're doing in their life. You know, we've got a lot of executives that carry our bags that uh, you know, whether they're startup CEOs or just people out there trying to do new things. I, I that's how I would envision our customers, and that's really a lot of the feedback we get from them. And and, um, and then yeah, kind of going back to you know what Chad was saying. One thing you know, back to the I don't want to re- rehash this, but back to kind of the features and things. I agree with what Chad's saying. I mean, for for me, just the everyday use of this bag has been like really great for me personally. I like the top pocket because I can grab stuff out of it and and. Easily access my wallet or, or my keys or whatever is there. But, but I'll tell you what, the, the aha moment for me is when I traveled the first time. It, it completely changes the way you travel. And that's, you know, whether you're taking a road trip or, or taking a flight, you know, not, it really hit me when I was able to walk on the plane the last minute and put the bag underneath the seat. I didn't have to fight for overhead space. And then the best part was when I had to do a layover and I didn't have to um, check my bags at gate check. As I walk off the plane, the whole lineup of people waiting to get their bags, I was like, wow, this, uh, that would normally be me waiting for my bag, but I'm actually just walking by, you know, I'm going to go meet a buddy for a beer, um, and I can get there 20 minutes sooner than I normally would. I mean, when you start adding that up, if you're traveling all the time, it's, it was the real aha moment for me. I'm like, wow, this is actually a game changer. So, so yeah, I didn't, not to backtrack, but I wanted to get that in before I, before I moved on, but but the other thing that I think is really, really great about what we're doing is, and Chad alluded to this, but I'm a huge believer in really, really good customer service uh, and and listening to our customer. I just think through the years, it's just I look at the brands that I really like and I've always had really good brand experiences. Whether I have a problem with the product or I have a question, they're always really good about it. So I think we've invested. A lot of time and energy in listening to our customer and actually working with them and and listening to them. You know, if they've got a problem, or sometimes you know, like you said, every once in a while the bag's just not for that person. And, and we've have a generous return policy, and so all those things. I think if people don't like this version, they're like, I like the concept, but I may not l- like this. I'm going to come back for the next version, and. That to me is really the most important in building a brand because as Chad said, he looks at the bag and sees 50 things. I look at it and see, I don't see 50 Chad, but I see maybe 40 um, that I'd like to change. And so, you know, it's not, it, there aren't, it's not going to fit everyone and we want to be able to, you know, make sure that people are happy with their purchase. And if they're not, that that's okay too. Um, I think that's super critical.
0: Yeah.
1: Where's the name NAC come from?
0: Oh God, I hate that question. You know, the, the the canned answer, Mark, is that, oh, people have a knack for, you know, carrying their stuff around with them. That's the canned answer. The real answer is uh, we just spent a lot of time trying to find a great name that resonated uh, to both Keith and me that wasn't already taken in this category. <laughs> you know? And we went through a lot. So, uh, you know, this this bag was almost George, frankly. Um, and, we you know, we're kind of giving up at that point in time. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, uh, it was something about, you know, ultimately people have a knack, they're smart, they get it, and, and they know how to get from point A to point B easily.
1: Yeah, well, I actually love that answer. Um, I just released a podcast, maybe two weeks ago, uh, that was a naming masterclass, right, It basically went through like how uh, we name names and we and, and it's all about finding the right name, not the perfect name. And, and it's okay, more than okay to do it the way you did it as long as you have a story. Kind of behind it, what you do. So, I mean, I think that's a great answer. And I think that's really relevant. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of times people think there has to be this like moment, uh, for their name where it represents the, the exact time yeah. that they were spoken to from above and got the idea for the business, but that, that's not the case at all. So yeah. uh, I appreciate, appreciate you sharing that because I think that uh, a lot of people can, can learn from that as, as well. So as it come to the, to the end here, what does the future look like? For NAC?
0: Well, I think, uh, as I said, given what we see as uh, really a fundamental change in how people work um, that's coming out of this current crisis, we think we're in great uh, shape to take, to take uh, advantage of that. And really, you know, when I say take advantage of it, I mean really help people cope with this new work environment. Uh, our product really reduces friction in, in their daily life, it makes it easier to get out their front door. Uh, and, you know, we believe firmly in helping people get out their front door. You know, uh, both Keith and I have had really uh, uh, the benefit of being able to travel all over. You know, I've visited over 40 countries in my life, and I'm a firm believer in, in getting out the front door, meeting people. And you know, we can make that a little easier, and we can make this future world where, you know, your commute's a little more challenging and your, where you work is a little more challenging. If We can make that easier for uh, our consumer Yeah, I think we will, and I think it'll be great.
1: Chad, Keith, thank you so much for coming by and sharing your story. We'll make sure to link to Knack in the show notes. Uh, For those of you that don't like show notes, it's knackbags.com, K-N-A-C-K-B-A-G-S.com.
2: Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you having us. uh, It was a a lot of fun chatting with you, and uh, thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate it.
1: And that is Chad Mullen and Keith Bristol of Knack Bags. I love Chad's insight that it was his network and experience that has allowed him to be a successful entrepreneur and really understand what makes a great brand. Too often, I think there's a misconception that you need to start a company day one and go out and claim your personal legend. There's a lot to be said to building your learning and your network for brands that are doing it right and then taking that knowledge and launching your company when you are ready. Thank you again to Chad Mullen and Keith Bristol of Knack Bags. If you're looking for a great looking bag that is fit for both work and play, I encourage you to check them out. Well, that's the show. Until next time. Make sure to visit our website, www.wildstory.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. A lot of big stories, and I cannot lie, you other storytellers can't deny.